0: If you're a boomer wondering what to do with all this unstructured time on your hands, well, join hosts Chuck Inman and Ron Hostry as they share with boomers how to be your best on your next journey by finding your passion, choosing your adventure, and igniting your activity. And now stay tuned for The Adventures of Unstructured Time. Good morning, Ron Hostery here on 21.6 The Net with Chuck Inman with the Adventures of Unstructured Time. You know, the purpose of the show is that there are 10,000 people a day reaching the age of 65. The purpose of the show is to provide insights, guidance, and direction to the boomers towards developing a new purpose, a significance, and adventure for the next 20 years of their life. Chuck, welcome today.
1: Well, thanks, Ryan. Glad to be here.
0: Hey, going back to our previous program, we left off a little bit early because we ran out of time. We work in an environment of structured time, talking about unstructured time, (laughs) as crazy as that is. Today's show is going to be about passion, but I'd like to back up just a little bit because there was one question we left unanswered for the viewers, and that had to be, what can you do when you notice a chemical brain freeze is coming on.
1: Well, exactly. And, and that's, that's a key question. And it's relevant today about talking about passions. Because when we talked about last show, you know, what causes a chemical brain freeze. And it's basically there's about five unmet emotional needs that we go through that can cause a chemical brain freeze. You know, we talked about safety. You know, dealing with raw danger and so forth. Uh, we talked about power. You know, do we have a voice? To share a voice? Acceptance. You know, are we liked or, and and respect? Are we held in respect and, and liked? And and then we talk about value. You know, uh, are we appreciated? Are we feeling heard and praised? And so those can all cause a chemical brain freeze. And we and if you missed the show last week. Uh, try and catch up with it. Also, the book, uh, Chemical Brain Freeze, How to Stand the Game During Difficulty and Stress, wrote that a couple of years ago. It uh, has a, a lot of good information in, in there. But when the whole key of chemical brain freeze is not what you do after you have a chemical brain freeze. And we use the example of having a chemical brain freeze being when you get so mad you can't think straight. <laughs> and we've all <laughs> encountered those, th- those types of things. But the, the key is what you do, not what you do before you have a chemical brain freeze, but understand what starts to happen when you start to feel a chemical brain freeze coming on. And we talked about some of the, the biological things that start to happen to us. Our heart starts beating faster because we have to pump blood into our major muscle groups. Our breathing gets shallow because we have to oxygenate that blood. Our body temperature goes up and you know we begin to sweat. We get hot under the collar, Our ears turn red. Those are all some of the indications of of what's happening. And then, of course, we release uh, adrenaline and coagulants into our system, make our heart beat faster, make sure we don't bleed out if we get into a fight, and those types of things. Cortisol, where we start dropping our our cognitive thought markers. And so once we start to understand that's what starts to happen to our body, then we start to become cognizant of a chemical brain freeze coming on and some of the things that we can do— to keep that from happening and one of the very first things that encourage people to do when you start to feel you get your heart beating a little bit faster you know you're feeling your ears starting to tingle a little bit stop what you're doing you know if someone's if you're questioning you know someone's questioning or something hey hang on just a sec let's let's go get a cup of coffee this is important i want to talk to you about this and just and take a quick break and and kind of absorb yourself and so once you stop almost simultaneously take a deep breath I mean oxygenate and because taking a deep breath you hack into that system of shallow breathing that shallow breathing that's oxygenating your blood for fleeing or fighting you actually stop that and start to stop the process and so you you take a deep breath and and give yourself a chance to regroup and and the third thing that's really really key Ron is 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 what we call chemical brain or chemical combat and when your body's releasing adrenaline and releasing cortisol and these, all these different chemicals into your system, there are some things that you can do with gratitude that can counter the chemicals that your body wants to release during a chemical brain freeze. Now, the fascinating aspect of this is the two most powerful emotions that your brain can hold are fear and gratitude. And gratitude wins out over fear every single time. So if you can think of a something that you're grateful for, a story that you're grateful for, that you can go to quickly, you'll counter that fear that you'll be experiencing. And that's why we had our listeners work on a gratitude story last week that, and where it'll start to make sense this week on why that's important. I like to share a story of my youngest daughter when she was about five years old and we were at the park and we had gone... Uh, I was rollerblading and, and she was on her, her bicycle and you can imagine a five-year-old's bicycle with the, you know, she's got the handlebars with the streamers coming down off the ends and she's got the little pink basket and the training wheels and I'll let your imagination go with the rest of it, but she kind of matched her bicycle with her outfit and, and I was in my rollerblades with all the protection I needed because, you know, trees do jump out at you when you're on rollerblades and, and, the, and we had gone all the way to the end of the park and we had stopped and we were having water. And she goes, Dad, look at there. And there was a, we were at a little uh, can't a little stream area, and there was a rope hanging from a big oak tree, from a limb of an oak tree. And she goes, Dad, can we swing across that little creek? And, of course, being a very pragmatic and prudent dad, I said, Well, sweetheart, we don't know how strong that rope is. We don't know how strong that tree is. You know, it's muddy down below. If the, you know, if the rope breaks, we fall in the mud. And, oh, Dad, we never do anything fun. And I'm looking, around, I'm going, here we are on a spring day out in the park, we've been bicycling and we don't do anything fun. And then it just kind of hit me, Ron. It's like, well, when do you have a chance to go do something fun like that? And I said, you know, I said, well, let's check it out. Before we say no, let's see if the rope will hold, if the branch is strong enough. And, and so I took off my rollerblades and and my socks, and I found a stick, and I reached out, and I grabbed the rope, and I pulled it over to me, and I tugged on it, and I said, well, it feels pretty good. I said, here's what I'm going to do, sweetheart. I'm going to swing across a couple of times, and if it holds me, it'll hold you getting on my back. So I, I sw- went across and kicked on the other side, came back, and I did it about three times. And I said, okay, I think we're good. Now, I'm going to drop down, and you, you, you know, put your arms around me, around my shoulders, and put your legs around my, you know, around my waist, and then hold on tight and then we're gonna take off and swing across and see what happens. She says, Okay And so bent down, I stood up and kicked off and away we went. And if you've ever heard anything like a five-year-old just laughing and giggling <laughs> it's the most joyous thing Wee. ever exactly and she was giggling and laughing so hard she couldn't hear me whispering out, I,
0: I can't breathe i can't breathe <laughs> and
1: she was choking my throat <laughs> off and we swung across there a couple of times we got back and then got uh, rollerblades on back on and, and we went back to the car and went home that night i was putting her to bed and she goes dad she goes, that swinging, and the part was so much fun today. We've got to do that again sometime. I said, Yeah, we'll do that again. That was fun, and so I said, Good night, sweetie, love you. And I flipped off the switch, and in, in a room, the light, and went walking down the hall. And heard, Dad, Dad. And I go walking back down. I turned the light. I said, What is it, sweetie? She goes, I keep thinking that swinging, and I can't get my, I can't get this smile off my face. <laughs> So when when I get into a situation where I'm looking for gratitude, I don't have to go through that whole story. All I have to do, Ron, is just think about her arms being around my neck and thinking about her just giggling and laughing. And I can focus on that. And what happens when you have a gratitude story like that, your mind starts to release dopamine and serotonin which are the same drugs that, you know, athletes get. You know, you've heard of runner's high and skier's high and everything else. That's, uh, and you can get your body to release that. And what it does is a chemical wash. It takes out the serotonin, it, or not the serotonin, the, the cortisol. It takes out the, the adrenaline and it actually neutralizes the things that you had going for a, a chemical brain freeze. And I don't know if you have a story of gratitude that, that you can refer to.
0: Well, I can give you a recent one. Okay. I love to fly. Twice a year at the Sulphur Springs Airport, we have an EAA, which is Experimental Aviation (coughs) Association, event called Young Eagles. And we invite kids from all over the area to come to experience their first flight. The pilots donate their planes and their fuel and their services. And we have a whole program set up to teach the kids a little bit about ground school, what they're going to be doing. And they bring them out. We assign one, two, or three kids to a plane depending upon the capacity of the plane. And to watch those kids come out with the anticipation of going on their first flight is just amazing that they have a freedom with them. They have a gratefulness, a freeness, a sense of adventure and an excitement about what they're going to be doing. And I feed off of that. Yeah. I'm grateful to be a part of that. I ask him. How many of you are taking your first flight and they all raise their hands and said, great, give me five, me too. <laughs> <laughs> That's and, funny. To, and some of the kids come with a little bit of intrepidation, mm-hmm. but to to make it fun, just starting from the walk, from where we pick those kids up out to the plane and getting them buckled in and, and to watch the transformation of those kids joking and laughing and As they get out of the plane, they get their picture taken, we go back in. And the thrill of the parents, I am so grateful for the freeness, the excitement, and a sense of adventure that those kids have. Yeah. And then I started to think about myself. I am in a situation, a time of my life now. I have the time for that freeness. I have the time for that excitement. I have the time for that adventure. And instead of wondering why can't I do this or do I have enough money to do this? What's going to happen down the road? Why can't I transform that I have all the elements those kids have, no responsibilities for the most part, and enjoy that in my life and finding a passion that I can be a part of and then going toward that, which we'll talk about that passion later.
1: Right. That's a great story, and and one of the things where you can simplify that when you get into a situation of having a chemical brain freeze and wanting to do chemical combat, really all you have to do is think about high-fiving those kids. You don't have to go through the entire story, but just high-fiving those kids, and that will give you that gratitude coming in where you'll be able to reset serotonin and dopamine. So, great story.
0: Yeah, you go back to the happy place, the things that that really excite
1: you and get you going. Yeah. So, and then the, finally, the, the last thing that we talk about is and reengaging the neocortex. And one of the ways that we re-engage the neocortex is by asking it some, some key questions. And again, that's the thinking part of the brain. And you ask some key questions like, is this going to matter three hours from now? Is this going to matter three days from now, three weeks from now? And you start to bring your neocortex back engaged. And if you can do all of that before you drop all your markers, you're going to be able to stay in the game and and handle those difficult situations.
0: It's interesting. I was at uh, Starbucks the other day. We're broadcasting from Studio South in Greenville, Texas. Greenville has made it on the map. We have a Starbucks. And I was sitting there watching, and I saw this guy come up and go through the line and order a latte with about... 15 different descriptions and nouns of what was going to be in it. They gave it to him at the other end of the counter a few minutes later, and this guy explodes. He goes ballistic. I ordered a macchiaco bobe, bai, vente, grande, you know, whatever, and just went through the roof. And I thought, this guy has no margin in his life, that he's worried about so many things that he can't understand. It's just a latte. Right. I noticed that with the generation that we're talking to. When you go out to restaurants and you ask about watching other people as a part of this process of chemical brain freeze and see the littlest things a waitress may or may not do that people get upset at at tables. And that escalates because no one stopped to breathe. and say, is this going to matter three minutes from now? And those are the things that once you're cognizant of the fact That all of those signs of your heart pumping faster, your ears getting redder, the fork going a little bit deeper into the wooden table, (laughs) if you know that, you can stop it. And the whole purpose of understanding this is to free yourself up from those behaviors that you've always had in the past so that you can start working on the next steps of this program.
1: Exactly. And that, you know, and, I, and I think one of the keys, you know, we talked about a couple of the key things that you're going to deal with is, as a baby boomer, either retired or getting ready to, ret- re- getting ready to retire, are, are two key things, you know, managing change and managing relationships. And, and one of the keys when, when we manage relationships, people engage is, is when their emotional needs are met, when they feel accepted, when they feel understood, when they feel valued and one of the key things that you can do in helping people stay in the game number one keep yourself in the game and that's why we had you work on your gratitude story and now start utilizing how you can use that gratitude story when you feel a chemical brain freeze coming on but also how to keep other people from uh, having a chemical brain freeze like the guy with the coffee i mean a very easy way to approach that if you were the barista or them, you know it's just like help me understand because you'll probably find out that it wasn't about the coffee it's not a, about the coffee he had a lot more going on in his life that, that was going on with that so, so part of it is connecting with others and being able to connect and that's where you know help me understand is a great way to do that and so we start our segment on passion with with this, because when we start looking at our passion, there's a lot of things that will questions we'll ask ourselves, and some of our self-talk can lead us into chemical brain freeze as we try and discover our passion and where we go with that. So it's I'm looking forward to our discussions that we've got going on this show.
0: Well, tell me about some of the issues that let's call them baby boomers, because right. it's politically correct. What are some of the issues baby boomers are going to experience over the next few years that they haven't had to deal with and, could, and handled incorrectly could trigger some of those behaviors?
1: Oh, I think there's, you know, there's quite a list of them. I mean, you know, caring for elderly parents being one of them. You know, are they able to afford retirement? You know, what to do with the time that you have available? Boredom you know, relationship issues, health issues, you know, finding a second career if that's what you want to do or what, what you need to do, finding that sense of purpose, you know, dealing with depression. Those are all valid, you know, issues that baby boomers will deal with.
0: One of the things when I think about dealing with depression is you tend to forget about the skills, talents, values, and worth that you have. Right. That those get overshadowed with the depression that comes on to you because of the change the fear of the change as opposed to the gratitude one of the things when uh, we went through a very difficult time after i bought uh, a company i had some people come around me and said is this something we want to continue at and my brother said take out a piece of paper and draw a line vertically down the paper i want you to write down all of the reasons why you got into the company and all of the resources that you have right now. And so it took a a while to get that going, but we did. We started to write down the good things from the company. He said, now on this other side of the paper, I want you to write down all of the the challenges that you're spending all of your time on. And so I started to do that. You know, customers going bankrupt, the economy was down. And he said, now let's compare those two lists. And when I compared the two lists of why I got into the company, what resources we had, how we could get out of it, to the list that I had, it was an eye-opener. I said, well, yeah, I do have these skills. I do have these abilities. I do have these resources. I do have the people that can overcome this devastating issue of my largest customer going bankrupt. It's not going to be fun, but we can do it. Right. Is that what you're talking about?
1: Exactly. With
0: every change that we go into, say, okay, what do I bring to the table to make this next transition?
1: Right. What are, the, what are the resources do I have that got me this far? Sometimes we forget all those resources that we have. And it's like, you know, and that's a great way, you know, you talked about being, you know, writing it down. And, and taking a look at it. You know, it, it's it's interesting when you think about the description of passion. And sometimes, you know, passion gets poo-pooed It's like, oh yeah, you know, you retire, you're supposed to go find your passion. But here's a here's an interesting thing when you look at the description of passion, an intense, strong, and barely controllable emotion, a compelling enthusiasm or desire for something. And and sometimes we lose that a little bit. You know, it's like, you know, what is that passion? And and you you've just built a, a, a great treehouse for for your grandkids, <laughs> you know, and we think about, you know, our, you know, think about growing up with a treehouse or your a special place and all the adventures you could go on and how you're so passionate about playing in that treehouse. You could you could be anybody from, you know, if you're a young girl, Mary Poppins, or you could be the Rifleman or, you know, Davy Crockett, and you could spend hours doing that and come up with all sorts of adventures. And what happens to that adventurous spirit when we get older? You know, where does that adventure go? And sometimes we realize things that we have been doing, we've kind of buried our passion. And, and that's what I, what I like about this show, where I get excited about this portion of the show, is like, how do you rekindle that passion? Why is it important for this next journey that you have? Because maybe the first 30 years, you weren't able to go out and enjoy your true passion and explore it. Now, with unstructured time, you've got some unique opportunities.
0: Well, I run into a lot of people, Chuck, that say, I've asked that question to myself. What's my purpose? What's my passion? And I come up dry. Is it because they're still carrying too much baggage?
1: Well, we all carry a lot of baggage. I, I guarantee you. We won't, we won't put porters out of business <laughs> with the baggage that we carry. But it's, sometimes we realize the baggage we carry is because so many of the dreams and goals that we have are based on other people's values. And when we start doing some work on our own passion, we start to realize we can look at things based on our own goals and dreams. You know, when we first, or one of the first shows we started, we started talking about what we were doing with this show, you know, helping people, uh, how to find your passion, how to pick your adventure, and how to ignite your activity. Well, the very first thing on on finding your passion isn't real easy, or else everybody would be doing it and it takes some work. And so we're going to kind of break it down this morning and and talk a little bit more about what that actually takes. You know, it's we used Indiana Jones as an example of someone with a passion where, you know, his passion was anthropology and archaeology. And you know, Ed, his, his adventure, he was in search of the, the Ark of the Covenant, you know, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, the first one. And by igniting his activity, he flew across the Pacific Ocean to find an old girlfriend who may have a missing part to the, to the puzzle. And if only, you know, our lives could be that simple. <laughs> we could piece it together like that. But once you start working on the, the, the foundation and looking at what, what is it that makes up your passion, then it's amazing what starts to happen.
0: When you talk about flying across the ocean, as an aviator, I
1: really think about
0: Charles Lindbergh. Here's a guy that had a passion, studied, researched to be part, to be very proficient in what he did. And when the, at the end, they asked him, he said, look, all the people that tried this before you died, what would possess you to get into an airplane you barely flew and take off to go to Paris? And his answer was, what kind of man would live where there's no daring? I don't believe in taking foolish chances, but nothing can be accomplished without taking any risk at all. One of the biggest blessings that we get as we make this transition in our life is a freedom to take some risks without the consequences of a boss or anyone saying, you messed this up, or a corporation or a customer coming in beating you up. The freedom to be able to, to incorporate that passion or to take risks as we go find that passion. It might not be the first thing you try. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I was talking to Tim Dirk and a great friend of mine. He says, people who succeed, look at the situation is, I'm either going to win or I'm going to learn from the process. And if we have that attitude going forward, there aren't any failures. I'm going to win and find my passion or I'm going to learn from that experience and put one step closer to what it is I want to go do.
1: Exactly. You know, that's like Helen Keller said. She said, life is either a thrilling adventure or nothing at all. And and so it's interesting when, you know, because we all realize that there's a, there's a, there comes a time when we, in our lives, when we want to make a change and we're not always sure you know, we know we want something different, but we don't always know why we want or need to make that. And there's a phrase that we cause, you know, that and it it's something that will happen. It's not if, but when. It's called cognitive dissonance. That's when our,
0: a big word. That's easy for you to say. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that is a big word. And and there's a difference between the life we l- we are living and the life we want to live. And we can't quite get there. And we don't know what's wrong. I mean, I'll, I'll give you a, a classic example where you should be completely happy. I, I, had, I had gotten a nice promotion in the corporate world and, you know, I, I bought a new house on the, on the golf course. You know, I had a swimming pool, had everything. And after about six months, I was so unhappy. I just, I didn't, I didn't like where I was at. I did, and it was a beautiful home. And I was out bike riding and I, I found a place where I was bike riding for sale that was on two and a half acres and <laughs> had a little bass pod on it. And I wound up going and making an offer on that house and selling my house on the golf course to be on the, the two and a half acres. And, 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 and I felt more comfortable, more, because it was based on my values and what I wanted to do. And that, and I re- that was the first time I truly kind of understood that cognitive dissonance type of thing.
0: Well, when we talk about preparing for change, Change for the sake of change is not always a successful formula. Uh, My friends Bill and Betty Heim, they had always visited Fort Collins, Colorado. It's a beautiful area. They'd always go for two weeks out of a year. Their vision of Fort Collins was two weeks out of a year, the best two weeks. They sold everything that they had. Bill retired, Betty retired, without experiencing any more than two weeks a year of vacation, they moved and went to Fort Collins, Colorado. A year later, they were miserable because they didn't take the time before they made that major of a change in their life to find out, is this the right place for us? For the people of Fort Collins, they love it up there. It's a great place. But for them, their expectation of what they received from that two weeks did not transition into what was the experience would be as a resident up in that area. The only problem is, is where they had left, which was Southern California, real estate values skyrocketed. Fort Collins real estate was static. They couldn't move back. Right. And that put them in a position of being miserable in what they thought was going to be their paradise. So it kind of comes back to Charles Lindbergh. Right. I don't believe and taking foolish chances, but nothing can be taken if you, if you have, don't have any chance at all or any risk at all. They <clears throat> didn't prepare, they didn't think about what those next steps were.
1: Right, well, and, and that's interesting because you know, so often when we, we conjure up you know, great adventures, we, you know, we have this image of being able to take control and, and <clears throat> move in the direction we'd like to go, you know, we hope to achieve those goals that are important to us and create a sense of purpose in our lives. But here's what's interesting. Sometimes we, we wind up confusing activity with accomplishment. And we'll we'll be doing things and realize we're not getting any closer to figuring out what life would be in Fort Collins in the middle of the winter when you need to use a snow shovel or snowblower. <laughs> and, and so forth. And and so there's 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 times when we actually have to sit down and start looking at things. And that's why we, we talk about you know journaling. I mean, starting to write things down. What are your dreams? What are your goals? It, it's so key. And, and we've talked about before where our goals, are, are, are our are, are dreams are an extension of our imagination and they don't cost anything. We can dream all we want to. But then when we start looking at our goals, we're at a time in our life where we're on a second journey, our second act, where we can plan it any way we want to. And you start listing out the goals in your life. You know, if if you and your spouse are, you know, getting set to retire or in retirement and looking at your goals, what are the goals that are based on your values, not the goals based on other peers, other, you know, family members? What are your goals and what you want to do? And that takes a lot of sorting out to do.
0: Well, it also comes back to the original premise of the show of transitioning from the success of your career into significance. What is your purpose? Because with your purpose and your passion, those go together. Right. What is it that I want to accomplish to change and become significant in other people's lives? It becomes an outward focus instead of an inward focus.
1: Right. And so often, and and I know we've talked about it in other shows, but I think it's worth repeating when we take a look at, at success. You know, so often success is is based on peer pressure. You know, we think about peer pressure and we think about teenagers and, and what teenagers have to go through with, with peer pressures. But look at adults. Look at the peer pressure we have. It's like, you know, what automobiles do we drive? You know, what house do we buy and, and what zip code? You know, where do we send our so kids checks, to school? So, Chuck, let me understand. Those are all peer pressure You're talking things about that, that we, we need deal to with. To so we're looking at focus more. That, we try and, and the accomplish things from to impress the others or have an impact on, on uh, the other on, things. You know, on ourselves and how, that. Exactly. It, it, and, we and how we're regarded by others. It's fascinating how activities can fill up our, our, our free time, time that, we that we have. We, we, you know, the, we, the we wind up getting swept along in the great big tide of in a positive it. And you're going, where'd the day go? So it consumes time and energy if we don't focus. And we wind up doing what we feel we have to do to survive. And our actions don't line up with their goals. Instead of bounding out of bed, you know, we hit the snooze button again and and hope that, you know, things will work out. But we need to work on a plan which will help you line out your actions with your goals and it provides you with that sense of purpose. It's interesting, Ron, the word plan scares most people. You know, most plans are not based on our dreams and goals and values. They're, they're based on a conglomeration of a, a whole bunch of goals and dreams and values that you've experienced had attached to you over the last 30 years
0: well what happens when people come in you see them all the time how are you doing oh i'm tremendous this is fantastic i can't believe i'm a member of this club this is so great uh, and you know they're not passionate about it
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly that's they ju- they've just given you the the surface value of, of where they're at and and what they're doing and so it's you know, you, you you can't fake being passionate about something. I mean, you you know that it's you know it, it's short term. It it doesn't last. And the key is to take the time to find the goals that you're truly passionate about. I I remember earlier in my career, I was out of school two or three years. And I'm like, ah, eh, you know, I'd like to, you know, do do a couple of little things different, make some make some more money, and doing some things. And so I started selling film processing coupons in my spare time <laughs> to schools. <laughs> which
0: that's not a great career move right now is it
1: <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't a great career move back then i mean oh my goodness i went and, t- and talked about five or six different schools and all the excuses are the reasons why that they couldn't participate in something like that's so well they never told me that one. When- and I signed up for this, and I mean, and it was just miserable. And I had no passion for it. Also, I went to uh, franchise exhibits in in Seattle, and Salt Lake, and St. Louis, and and uh, trying to see, you know, is there a franchise I should own? And some, you know, just that entrepreneur side coming out. Is there something else I want to do? And and I'd I'd walk away. I'm going, I don't. There's not one business I want to run there. There's nothing I want to do.
0: It's interesting because I've talked to people that they go to the convention center. They hear the franchise talks. And you can tell the people that aren't passionate about the business they got. (laughs) Because they come back and they tell you, oh, you know what? They told me on this street in my town, 90,000 cars (laughs) come by a day. You know, you got to know that at least 30% of them are hungry, which means (laughs) that 30,000 people are going to come in and buy your, you know, whatever the food product was. (laughs) Exactly. They never went into it saying, God, I love to cook. Yeah. How could I go ahead and do that? Right. And that's, that's being sucked into activities as opposed to passions.
1: Right. And, and you know, and, and the word plan scares most people, you know, because most plans are not based on your goals and your dreams and your values. You know, like a franchise, it's, it's based on what the franchise wants you to do. And as a franchisee, you've got to follow within those guidelines. You're not quite as free as you think you are. And, you know, Ed, you, you just can't fake being passionate about something. It's, it's short term. And so you, you know you're getting close to your passion when you can throw your alarm clock away. And I always thought that was a <laughs> great description of it, you know, where you can just bound out of true. bed and get ready to roll. And, and that really makes it fun. And so there's a, and we've talked about this every show, uh, the, the special magic when you begin the work. And you start to get it down on paper and just start writing, you know, what are my dreams? What are my goals? And the more you write, you'll start writing down goals and then you'll look at it. Is that really a goal I need to do now? Why is that important to me? And that's a key question. Why is this important to me? And you realize, you know what, that's based on somebody else's values. That's based on peer pressure that I went through. And you can just kind of put a little X by that one because you can make the decision. Now, I don't have to go there. I don't have to make that happen. You know, I, I really enjoyed early in my career. I read a, read a great book by Charles Garfield on peak performance. That's not the cat. N- not the cat. Oh, no. okay. <laughs> no. he, uh, he wrote the book Peak Performance where he worked with Olympic athletes. And he said Olympic athletes' peak performance could visualize what they wanted to do before they did it. And I had a similar experience in high school. My, my senior year in high school. I wanted a pole vault, and my baseball coach wouldn't let me play baseball and do track at the same time, and I'd already lettered in baseball my junior year, and I said, okay, and I was his shortstop. He didn't like that, and I said, <laughs> I'm going to go pole vault, and he, he got really mad, but that was, I figured, that's my only chance in my life. I'll get a chance to pole vault, so I... Decided so I to go pole vault and one of the things I did is I visualized, you know, getting over the bar, getting over the bar the first time. Actually, I'm going to have to back it up a little bit, Ron. My, my first visualization I had after trying to pole vault was like, one day I'm going to land in the pit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go through the cottonwood trees or land in the dirt road or, you know, I'm going to make sure I landed the pit. But then I started visualizing going up and over the bar. And making it happen. And, and so that's when, when I got Charles Garfield's book where he's talking about peak performance. I could relate to that. And, and sometimes we don't do that thinking about our goals, the things that we're passionate about. Can we visualize it? And so many times, we, instead of visualizing, we come up with excuses why we can't do it.
0: Well, one of the things that when I talk to people that are moving from workforce to retirement force, and I don't like the word retirement. Because people ask me, what were you going to do after you sold the mattress company? What are you going to do when you retire? I'm not going to retire. Right. I'm just not going to do this. Right. But I'm going to do something else. And it comes back to you can tell a lot about a person from the standpoint that when you ask them what they do, they can talk for hours. Right. But what's another question you can ask them that'll make them stop in their tracks and you know whether they're in that passion zone or not?
1: Why do you do what you do? Yeah. That hangs them up.
0: Big time. Chuck, you got up at uh, five o'clock in the morning, got in a car, drove through traffic, got the dog taken care of, came down to Studio South here. That's kind of crazy. What's the passion between, that you're engaged with now with this entire Adventure Jerky process?
1: Well, you know, I've I've shared this with you. You know, my, my whole purpose of what I'm doing, it, I, I keep it kind of a simple goal. If I can help one person a day, I'm doing something good. Yeah. And I, and I kind of like that premise. It just, it, it keeps me humble, but it keeps me moving in the, in the right direction. And when, you know, you start to write it down and it provides a roadmap for you. And once you have a roadmap, it takes the fear of the unknown out of the way. It's like, you know, going into the wilderness. You know, if you have a map and you know where you're going and, and where you're headed, then the fear of the unknown is gone. You're not worried about getting lost. You're not worried about getting stranded and so forth. And I think sometimes that's, you know, people forget about that magic of writing things down. It it goes a long, long ways.
0: Well, talk about writing things down. If people want to get a hold of you, Chuck, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Well, the best way is adventurejerky.com. You can, you can go to our website, and we even have blogging contests. Tell us about your, your adventure that you, you went on. Tell us about your journey. We, we have awards that we give out at the end of the month. we got some great gifts that we provide, but we've got Chemical Brain Freeze, How to Stay in the Game During Difficulty and Stress book that I wrote a couple of years ago. We've got uh, Adventure Jerky, you know, How to Be Your Best on Your Next Journey, and we've got the guidebook that goes with it, and we also have some great gourmet jerky. that's you know, a little bit of fuel for the bodies. <laughs> you work on fuel for the mind. So.
0: Great. The other thing that that comes out of this is that there are people out there that may have been forced into a change of their life. It wasn't planned. Maybe they thought they were going to be where they were going to be for another five years with me. When I owned the company, the economy said, you know what? Getting out at 68 years old isn't going to be your plan anymore. The economy is such that economically it's smart to get out at age 60. The big thing about writing things down is it starts putting into your mind that you have control over what comes next. You are not the victim of what's coming next. Correct. And that's a a big thing that you can create a picture in your mind of what you want to do. Go for it. Right. That picture, it's okay if it changes. Right. Right after you've put some experience in to say, okay, I have now had an opportunity that will take those same skills, talents, and desires to change someone's life one at a time, but that might be done in a little different fashion. Right. But your goal and your purpose and your passion hasn't changed.
1: Exactly. And, and it's interesting because then, when you've got that in your mind and you keep fine-tuning that image that you have in your mind, you can keep moving forward with it, and it gives you some good direction. It's like getting up in the morning to, you know, to come do something. You know, There's the top three reasons that people get up in the morning. I always got a kick out of reading this. You know, number one reason, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> you know, number two, I have to in order to take care of the kids, or I have to let the pet out, or I have to let my spouse or partner out, <laughs> whatever that goes. <laughs> wherever that goes. You know, Number three, I have to go to work. Well, wouldn't it be awesome if your number one reason for getting up in the morning was because you were working on your passion and you couldn't wait to get it started? You know, why don't we start our day off, you know, working on our passion?
0: Well, that's interesting because the key words of those first three sentences are, I have to. Right. That means that's an imposition of someone else's values on my time. Mm -hmm. Whereas, wow, when I get up, I'm going to be in my office working on this, or I'm gonna be out here doing this.
1: I wanna make this happen.
0: I wanna make this happen. The biggest thing that I ran into with friends of mine, they could not make a nine o'clock in the morning meeting for business, but they could always make a 6 a.m. tea time.
1: Right. And that's
0: (laughs) the best example of that. Right.
1: Um, That That is so true. And what's interesting is we also make excuses, you know, we talk about default behaviors, and one of the biggest default behaviors we have sometimes when we ask ourselves, why aren't I doing this? Well, I can't do that, because I was told I couldn't do that. Or mm-hmm. because, and, and our biggest default behavior is the fact that excuses are the number one response that we provide to ourselves.
0: It is, and, and that goes back to part of the transition is that I am now responsible for what happens in the next twenty to twenty-five years of my right. life, excuses are assigning that responsibility to somebody else. Right. It's assigning blame. Right. A victim's mentality of going and assigning blame and making excuses does not get people into the state of mind of transitioning to significance.
1: Right. So, so now when you when you do away with excuses. Then you start to meet those unmet emotional needs. You're saying, hey, I'm responsible. I can make this happen. Guess what? You start to meet those emotional needs. You start saying, hey, I've got value now. I've got acceptance. I've got respect. And all of a sudden, you're ready to get up in the morning and move forward with what you're doing, which is pretty exciting.
0: Well, let me take that back to the comment we had before when you said activity versus accomplishment. I know a lot of people that flitter from meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting they are active they show up they don't necessarily contribute they go they get some rejection but it's to fulfill those emotional needs of uh, emotional need of acceptance of the value that comes from someone else an affirmation where if we've established that value for ourselves of identifying what our talents are what our strengths are we don't need to go have those reaffirmed by others because we believe in ourselves and is it those unmet emotional needs of value and respect that drives people to go squirrel hunting
1: or shiny objects. <laughs> shiny objects. <laughs> exactly. Well, you know, and, and I'll, I'll bring it around to, to a case in point where you and I, several years ago, took a, the same six-month storytelling workshop, mm-hmm. uh, working on books and, and presentations. And, and, and I remember the, the Dave Lieber, who headed up the, 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 co- the program, said, if, if you do the homework, after, and we met once a week for six months, and he said, "If you do the homework, by the time you get done with this program, your book will be written." And I sat there and did it, and I was the first one to have my book published from that workshop because I did what he said. And we we we've, we've both written books. And look at how many people that were in that program that still haven't written a book. No, they they were there every single session. They you know took the same notes we did, got heard the same material, and yet no book.
0: But uh, what was interesting about that process? is when we talk about passion and we talk about transitioning from a successful careers to significance. The purpose of the books wasn't for us. Right. It wasn't to be the great storyteller. The purpose was to change somebody else's life. Right. To help them through a situation that we might have been through.
1: Exactly. And, and what What's interesting, sometimes you think to to accomplish something, you've got to go out and do just something, you know, unbelievable uh, to make it. It's got to be epic, you know, to make it. And it's small steps that build it. It doesn't take much. I, I love what, you know, Walt Disney said. He said, if you can dream it, you can do it. All of our dreams can come true if we have the courage to pursue them. It's kind of fun to do the impossible. You know, Walt Disney, <laughs> the creator of Disney World. It's kind of fun to do the impossible. And it doesn't have to be a big, magnificent thing you know, all at once. And that's why I say magic starts when you start to write it down. Just a simple act of writing it down. That's why I've got a leather-bound journal for people. Just get, And it even comes with a pen. <laughs> you know <laughs> they provide the pen with right it. on you know and just i just get started writing because the magic starts to happen when you start to write it down
0: well help me because that's one of the big struggles how do people explore their passion okay. how how do they bring that up to the surface
1: well i i think you know as you start thinking about your dreams and and, and goals you know, think about all the dreams you had. You know, ever, you know, from being up in a treehouse, you know, <laughs> all the way, you know, the, just the the dreams that you had going through, you know, through school, through high school, through further education, you know, through your throughout your career and so. Forth. What were your dreams? And your dreams, you know, they stimulate your imagination, and so and that's a good thing. And dreams don't cost anything, and so it's easy to dream. And, and, and put those dreams down because sometimes those dreams are what led you in a direction of some goals. And then start write, writing down the goals, the goals that you had during your corporate career. And, so, and then think about, okay, what's, what are those goals didn't I accomplish? Or what, some of the, what are some of those goals that I want to move over into my retirement years with a, with a new journey? What are, what are those goals and, and why are they important to me? And one of the key things is not only to ask why are they important to me, what will I gain if I achieve these goals, but also asking the very, very tough question, what will happen if I don't achieve these goals? And people very seldom ask that question.
0: That is very true. One of the things that I found is we talked about I have to get up, I have to go to the bathroom. I wrote down, what are the things I have to do that keep me from what I want to do? Right. Because what that did is it took some of the items that are routines in my life, activities I enjoyed before that have waned, but I still keep them in a high priority position. And maybe it's time to eliminate that item, to look and free myself up for the next passion that I wanna pursue. When you feel thwarted from doing what you want to do by what you have to do, then what you have to do is no longer a passion. Right.
1: Well, and and here's an interesting way of looking at that and, and the magic of writing it down is you identify those goals that are based on your values. You know what? And at this stage of their life, if they're not based on your values, you can let them go. You don't have to keep them. It cleans the closet in your mind. It kind of cleans out the gutter you know, that you don't need it anymore. And we were having coffee the other day and you shared with me that uh, some people would come up and ask you to volunteer for some things and you realize that's not lined up with my values and my goals on where I'm at at this stage of life. I don't think I need to go there. And it's very easy to say no at that time.
0: Yes, yeah, so one of the best phrases and if they want to write this down, when people come to me and ask me to participate in a good cause, but it's not my wheelhouse, my answer is, you know, that's a great <laughs> cause. It just isn't my cause right <laughs> so, now.
1: Isn't that great? I love that one. But that that keeps you free from getting bogged down because those are the types of things when you think that you have to volunteer for this or you have to have an input in then you start getting activity interfering with accomplishment because right. you're not working on those goals that are most important to you.
0: How many times have we taken a, an assignment out of guilt?
1: Oh, exactly. And uh, how many times do you do you get some of these the people who will actually browbeat you into doing things because they know guilt has a, is a heavy motivator? But here's, here's the key. Those goals that are most important to you, when you identify the impact they'll have on you and others when you achieve the goal... That's what provides deep motivation for you. You know, and so, you you know, that's that's the one where you say, what will this do, this motivation, what will it do for me if I achieve it? And like we said earlier, the question that most people don't ask, what will it do if I don't accomplish this goal?
0: Our friend Janice Stanfield had a great question. And I write that down all the time and ask myself, what dream job... Am I occupying and keeping someone else from having?
1: Exactly. Isn't that the truth? It's, there's a lot to be said for that because we're struggling and for someone else, that's their passion.
0: That's their passion.
1: And we don't want to stand in the way of that <laughs> <laughs> if we don't have to.
0: Success and significance.
1: Yeah, we, we've we've covered that pretty well. And, and what I'd like to do is share a couple of stories with you on how, how things change just a little bit differently. And, and uh, my, my dentist, Dr. Bill Ralston, I've, i he's been my dentist for 24 years and, and just a really, really good guy and had coffee with him not too long ago. And, and actually he wrote a section in, in the, in the book, the adventure jerky book on being your best on your next journey. And he talked about going from success where he was fixing people's teeth and, and, and working on the, on, on their mouth and and he said it, it, a lady walked in to his practice and she was actually referred to him and she had had all of her teeth pulled and he had a picture of her that he, that he showed me on his on his phone and, and here was a lady she was just sunken in you could tell just just completely withdrawn and he said she came in and you know he said i talked with her i said here's some things that we can do and and he realized that he said i'm going to donate my time and We're going to see what we can do. And he put in a a dental implant. And I think he put in a couple of them, top and and lower, and put in just uh, a a temporary bridges for her. He said that made a difference with her right there. But, you know, she had to be a little bit careful about what... And then they got the impressions done and all the stuff that they did. Within four weeks, she had full... uh, implantable, you know, tops and bottom teeth, the picture that he showed of her after he had done that, and, and her smile, when she looked in the, in the mirror, and the smile that she had, you could not tell that it was the same person from right. before to afterwards, and he said, you know, he said, I felt so significant on being able to change someone else's life like that, and it wasn't the success part. He said, I didn't get paid for doing that, but I felt so good about doing that, which is just, you know, that's, that's pretty impressive when, when you get hit with that.
0: I have a friend that, his friend, lost a wife. He got really depressed, went through a whole situation. He was locked in. He couldn't sleep in the bedroom, in the house, the whole thing. He suggested to him, said, why don't you come live at our place because we have an entire apartment above the barn. And the guy did that. And the, by putting him around other people and the grandkids and, and everyone that came to John's house, this guy started to turn. He had to let go of what he had before because he was trying to maintain the lifestyle before that would never be the same as it was when his wife was alive. And over, And he watched over the last year this guy transition to become alive, to become active. He bought jet skis for him and his uh, adult son to go out and participate. And I looked at that and I said, how many times do we have resources in our lives that we're not using that can change somebody's life? John has a real passion for that in, in helping people. How great would that be that instead of watching four more episodes of Gunsmoke, that we, had, we focused on the passion of the day?
1: Right. It's interesting. I I mentored uh, a former Miss America contestant and who's working on being a speaker. And she has a phenomenal story to tell about being in the Miss America pageant where she was Miss New York. And she went to uh, went on USO tours and we'll have her on as a guest. The stories that she tells you, you think, oh, Miss America, you know, you know, you're not quite sure what you think about that. What she did significance was just incredible. And we'll get her on the show because she takes it to a whole nother level, which is fine. And and I think that's gonna be part of the fun part of the show was bringing other people's perspective in on what we're doing. Well,
0: Chuck, let let me break into here because we're at the end of the show as quickly as this (laughs) comes. Last week we left people with uh, exercise to write down gratitude. What can they start working on for next week's show as it relates to passion.
1: Well, I think this week, I mean, begin writing down your goals and your dreams, and don't put filters on it. You can write down whatever you want. There's no filters. And once you get it written down, walk away from them for a little bit. Go back after two or three days, and then take a look at what you've written down. You'll be amazed at the magic that starts to happen.
0: Thank you for uh, joining us today on 21.6 The Net, The Adventures of Unstructured Talk. boomer wondering what to do with all this unstructured time on your hands well join hosts chuck inman and ron hostry as they share with boomers how to be your best on your next journey by finding your passion choosing your adventure and igniting your activity
2: 21 the net is brought to you in part by the generous support of our sponsor northern illinois windows inc We are a commercial and residential window servicing company committed to providing the highest quality service at an affordable price. Our highly trained technicians will make every aspect of your window cleaning needs worry-free. Northern Illinois Windows, Inc. 815-385-6646. Again, 815-385-6646. 216th Net is sponsored and supported in part by Natural Therapy Wellness Center, 815-385-8190, McHenryMassage.com. How often do you take time for yourself? A massage can be a great way to pamper yourself, but it can also help alleviate or sometimes even cure those ailments that you deal with regularly. Contact us today to speak to one of our certified therapists about your needs. Natural Therapy Wellness Center, 815-385-8190. 21 Sixth Net is sponsored by and broadcasts from Sticker Dude, the creators of final chaos. 815-322-2480, StickerDude.com. The Sticker Dude team brings over 25 years of experience from the graphic, marketing, and sales industry. Advertising on vehicles and other services, full attention on the design, print, and installation is given to your project. From in-house full-time installers to our top-of-the-line printing and finishing room. Contact us today to learn what you need to look for and why before committing to making an investment in vehicle wraps. We're not your corner sign shop. Sticker dude. Call 815-322-2480. Experience, education, character, an inherent ability with numbers, an exceptional CPA. These are the reasons why business owners choose Eric Mason of Mobile Accounting for their bookkeeping, payroll, and tax services. Call Eric at Mobile Accounting. Two two four three two one six eight five nine. That's 224-321-6859. 216Net is supported by highly reputable sponsors like XTech Repair. Why do customers keep coming back to XTech Repair? Because of owners committed to building relationships, no one and done attitudes. Their 60 day guarantee on all repairs, and IT service subscription plans that help business customers avoid the shock of a large, unexpected repair bill. Xtech addresses all your IT needs in one place web design, web hosting, social media support. Custom-built desktops with a two-year parts and labor warranty, and just for fun, gaming machines with repair and service support. Visit online xtech.repair. That's x t e k dot r e p a i r. Visit in person at the corner of Pingree and 176 in Crystal Lake, Illinois, or call 815. 815- 516 8075. That's 815 516 8075. Repair for IT done right the first time.